Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Wow, good morning. So if you haven't guessed, my name's Dave, this is Sue, and uh, you'll, you'll meet the others later. Uh, we've, um, we've been married about 31 years. Uh, about. <laughs> about? Well, how exactly then? Come on. <laughs> oh, people heckle in our church, you know, yes. so Sue's trying to make me feel at home already by heckling me, okay? Uh, yeah, you've heard about our sons. We run a church and we also run a business. Uh, but we're here today to give our testimony. And I loved what Paxton said. We're here to declare the truth of what God has done in our lives because we, um, we see that it defeats the enemy. And uh, Tommy took us to see the cross at Groom. And, uh, and while we were there, there's a, there's a statue and it shows you um, an angel and his foot is on the dragon, which depicts the devil. And it shows him literally the angel has defeated the dragon. And that's the victory that we're standing with this morning. And, and, and Amarillo in Texas declares it you know, literally with that cross that we serve a victorious God. That the battle was won on the cross. Come on, I feel... There's atmosphere here for miracles. And we need to know, who needs a miracle here this morning? Who needs a miracle in their life of healing, of breakthrough, of finances? Come on, if you need a miracle, just show us, okay? Are you hungry for a miracle this morning? Well, we've declared we serve the God of miracles and we're going to declare a miracle this morning and we're going to declare faith and your faith will arise so that you can believe that God can do a miracle in your life. So this is our story. It starts in March 2005 and I started to feel ill. And that generally isn't something that happens to me. I'm you know, generally healthy. I try and avoid the doctors and, uh, uh, and, and things were going well. We were in a really busy time. We'd moved house. We just literally, um, I'd just taken on the, one of the biggest contracts I'd ever had. And, uh, and, and life was going good. And, um, but I started to feel ill and I didn't know what it was. And I went to see the doctors and the doctor said, oh, you're probably stressed with all this that's going on. But those that know me know, well, I don't get stressed. I'm not a very stressed person. And, um, uh, but we took the medicine, but I wasn't getting better. I was getting worse. And uh, we went back to see the doctor, and he said, well, I'll send you for some tests. And, you can, and they started sticking cameras in places and, and like, you know, scans you know. and all those things. You yeah, don't we won't want tell to know. You, yeah, especially if you just had your breakfast. So, um, you know, um, but then they were like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. And they tried to discharge us, and they tried to send us home. But Sue was uh, very kind of stubborn, and she said, no way. <laughs> and so basically what happened was... Um, we put a word out to our friends uh, about praying for Dave because, again, he's a hard-working guy. He's not one for, you know, going to bed and, and not working and things. But he was spending more and more time having to be in bed because he was so exhausted and so fatigued. Weight had, uh, had dropped off him. And um, we both are carrying a different anointing now for putting weight on. So uh, <laughs> we've had a miracle, <laughs> which we need that miracle to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's yeah. not going to stop while we're in Texas. We're the, the food's too good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, we just finished one meal and it's like more food. We're like, yes. Mm. <laughs> no. Mm. Anyway, we uh, we I. We'd spoken to some of our friends and said, we need some help. Please pray for us. See what God is saying. And so in the space of one week, we had um, quite an extraordinary week, really. I had a friend call me up on a Monday night, and she said, I've been praying for you guys, Sue, and uh, God has given me a scripture, and it's Psalm 41. And so being a great Bible scholar that I am, I was like, oh, I don't know that one. (laughs) Do you know that one? (laughs) Psalm 23, we all go, oh, yeah, we know that. Psalm 91, yeah, we know that. Psalm 41, nah, don't know that one. So I looked up in my Bible, and basically the crux of it is is that God would preserve David's life, sustain him on his sickbed, and restore him from the illness. And so we were like, oh, good scripture. We didn't know what was wrong with him at the time, just that he was poorly. And so held on to that scripture, that's a good one. Wednesday of the same week, a different friend phones me up. She said, been praying for you guys and God's given me a scripture. And it's Psalm 41. So I was like, oh, hello. There's, you know, God's speaking here. There's things going on. Friday comes. A friend, a different friend. I have actually got more than two or three friends, honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's my entire friendship circle. Phone me up now. Um, a different friend phoned me up on Friday and she said, been praying for you guys and I've got a scripture. And so I jumped in real quick. I says, ah, it's Psalm 41, isn't it? And she was like, oh, how did you know that? Because <laughs> it was. So we knew that God had really given us something to hold on to for what was coming. Now, when God gives us scriptures like this, I mean, there's a part of you that could panic. You're like, oh, sustain him on his sick bed and preserve his life. Oh, is he going to die? Is he, you know, you, you can almost get panicky about these things. But God always gives us scripture and prophecy to prepare us, to, to put us in, in the right frame of mind. It's not, it's not a, a, a doom thing. It's a hope thing. So when God is speaking to you and giving you yeah. words of prophetic things and, and scripture, it, it's for you to hang on to because scripture brings life. Scripture brings hope. Scripture is redemption. And so... We were holding, so we, we held on to those three things. Preserve, restore, and sustain um, Dave's life. Because by this point, there was no diagnosis. So we'd been waiting three months. We'd had all these tests. We'd seen the doctors time and, and time again, and there was no news, no understanding of why I was feeling ill, why I was in pain, why I was losing weight. And, uh, and then God came, and he spoke these Scriptures. And the other scripture that someone gave us, which, again, it did make my knees wobble a little bit um, at first, because it was the uh, John 11, this sickness will not end in death. And I didn't even want to think that it might have done, <laughs> let alone confirming that it won't. So, you know, hold on to the things when, when God speaks hope. So I went back to the doctors, and my usual GP wasn't there, and I got to see the head doctor I thought, oh, this is good. And she was really kind. She spent about 20 minutes with us explaining all the tests that were done and why we hadn't really understood any more of what was going on. And, uh, and then um, she said, oh, by the way, do you mind if I just examine you? And uh, I said, please do. Everyone else has, so you might as well. And so she laid me on a couch. She put her hands on my tummy, and she just went, oh, my God. And I want to tell you that's not what you want to hear your doctor say, Okay. <laughs> But she basically sat us down and she said, um, 
I'm going to write a letter to the local hospital and refer you on the NHS. If they don't call you tomorrow, sell your house, go private and do whatever you need to do to get this treated because if you don't treat it now, it's going to kill you. And we just sat there in shock. And uh, fortunately, the NHS rang the next day. We were there another day later. We were at the hospital and literally in a couple of days, we'd started treatment. Uh, but they were, um, they were so worried at this time uh, about how ill I was, about how weak I was, they thought that when they started giving me chemo, that um, we've jumped ahead and yeah, we, uh, we've not gone. given you the diagnosis yet, have Sorry. we? <laughs> yes. So the diagnosis yeah. that that uh, we got was non-Hodgkin lymphoma, high grade B, um, and so they'd found in Dave's stomach uh, uh, a lymphoma, 15 centimeters by 12 centimeters, it was sort of the size of a, a loaf, really, because yeah. it was very odd to look. Well, he's <laughs> not yeah. usually odd to look at, <laughs> but because <laughs> he was really thin, he had nothing on him, and then this big tummy yeah. where the lymphoma was growing, um, and so they um, they quickly got us through and started us on. Oh, we say us. <laughs> Me. We started daily on chemotherapy. <laughs> um, yeah, on June the second. So I think we've got a photo. There we go. That's uh, Dave. So I did it. I said the same as what I did this morning on the first service. The disclaimer here is we just moved into a new house, okay? And it was a, it was a, a house that needed renovating. So my kitchen doesn't usually have tiles hanging off the wall. Um, I, am, I am much tidier than that. And the other disclaimer is, is that David's nipples aren't usually lopsided uh, well, like, like they are. So uh, we do have a, a, another miracle. His nipples are now straight. So I think we're, we're, we are seeing miracles everywhere. <laughs> um, so if you've got wonky nipples, then we're the people to pray for you. So uh, <laughs> we have authority in that area. Yeah, so. <laughs> just form a line up here. Mm. So first round, I had eight sessions of chemo. I had the first one in the hospital, as I said, because they thought that they might, uh, you know, that my organs literally might fail. And uh, as you'll see, as the story goes on, there were probably three points where I was really close to death. And that was one of them. But that worked. They, they also gave me this revolutionary drug they just developed. And I had these eight sessions and I was feeling better. I was looking better. And I was like, this is over. Thank you, God. You know, me and you, we've whooped this. No problem. And, uh, and so we, um, you know, we were like, oh, well, we can get on with our lives now. And, um, and then the hospital say, right, you've had all this treatment. We want to send you for a PET scan. Anybody know what a PET scan is? Do you have that over here? Yeah. yeah. It's nuclear medicine, and it looks at the molecular activity in your body. And we only had one in England at the time. And so they sent me off to this hospital in central London, and they said, go and have this test, but avoid pregnant women and avoid um, x-rays when you, when you come out because you tend to wipe x-rays clean after you've had a PET scan. I was like, whoa, you know. Uh, Superpower. Yes. <laughs> I never saw it happen. I kind of wanted to go and find an x-ray then and see if it worked. But uh, um, we, um, we had this test and then we went to the doctors and the doctor said, oh, we're really sorry, but there's a little show. There's a little hot spot right in the middle of where this uh, lymphoma had been. And uh, we're, we're not sure what it is, but we need to refer you to a specialist. And so that really knocked us, to be honest, because, you know, we'd been standing on this, you know, restore, sustain, and preserve his life. And, and honestly, we thought after these eight cycles of chemo, we thought it was over. We thought, this is it, yes, we can now get on with life. And, 
Um, and suddenly to be told that there's a, a hot spot and, and things weren't like we, we'd expected them to be. And so then they started talking to us about they wanted Dave to have a stem cell transplant. And again, we'd never even heard of, of stem cells. We didn't have a clue what all that meant. And so basically, a, a stem cell is like a blank, a blank canvas of nothingness. <laughs> and um, our stem cells hit our bone marrow, and they produce what they need. So we've all got stem cells. They hit your bone marrow, and it'll go, right, you need to be a red cell. You need to be a white cell. You need to be hemoglobin. And so, it, I mean, it's incredible. God is just so amazing. One, how yeah. he's designed us, and two, how he's allowed us to tap in to his design. Absolutely incredible. And so um, Dave had to have a, a stem cell transplant um, just to be safe, they said. So they referred us through, and we I needed to go. We? He needed to go <laughs> and get a Hickman line if we could have. Uh, so a Hickman line, that was so that all his chemicals and things could be put inside of him. The boys, the boys were young when all this was happening. Dave was 43. I was 41. Josh, 16. Ben was 13. Uh, it, it, was, it was a big deal. It was, well, of course, it's a big deal. We tried to make as much fun out of stuff as we possibly could. So the boys and myself nicknamed these David's dangly bits. So um, we, we were always uh, sorting out his dangly bits and seeing what was going on. So... <laughs> you've got to have a bit of humour otherwise we wouldn't have got through it I don't think to be honest <laughs> and so they harvested David's stem cells um, and then we needed to wait for. they said wait for two weeks and then they will call us back and then they'll give him his stem cells back and then that would be it we were like that'll be it life can go on it'll all be just a distant memory and then we can crack on with what's ahead for us um, you've jumped ahead on the things. So, yeah, so we harvested stem cells. And then God spoke again. One of the things I'd like to say is God always speaks. He's continually speaking. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we listening? And sometimes God asks us to speak to people, and we have to be bold and go, yeah, actually, I've heard the voice of God. I'm going to go and I'm going to share that with that person. Yeah. God spoke again. He started speaking to us this time through Psalm 23, and particularly verse 4. And what he was saying to us was, what you're going through is a shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And God was saying to us, it might look like death, but it's not death. Okay? And you can be strong and you can be confident because I'm with you in this valley that you're going through. So then we were waiting for this hospital phone call to say, come in and uh, have your stem cells back in. But we got a phone call, but it wasn't what we wanted to hear. And it was the hospital saying that there'd been a viral outbreak um, on the ward and that we weren't allowed anywhere near the hospital because Dave had no immune system at that point. So they said, do not come anywhere near this place. Um, we will call you when, when it's time for you to come. And again, we were like, seriously, Lord, <laughs> this is not good. This is just going on. So we sent an email out to our friends saying, this has happened, you know, we're waiting for this call and there's this viral outbreak. And we got an email ping back and it was a friend of ours and she said, I don't know why, but I really believe this halting treatment has saved Dave's life. And again, you know, there's so much that we don't see and you're like, well, whatever, you know, maybe, maybe not. We can't understand why there's been a halt, but yeah. 
So she was just, I'm so sure that this halting treatment has saved his life. Um, so in waiting for the hospital to call us, um, we had to go up to our local hospital to have his dangly bits flushed out every other day. And uh, one of, while we were waiting on this procedure, Dave started to grow something on yeah, the warn top them. of his... Yes. Oh, yeah. I hope you've had your breakfast. <laughs> Fried eggs. Um, <laughs> oh, very easy. Um, at the top of his belly button... That, that is actually the top of his belly button. It's a really weird angle. It's like, um, this thing started growing just here at the top of his belly button, and um, we went to the hospital for his, his Hickman to be flushed. And I said, um, what is that? And the doctor looked at it and she said, oh, it's probably a boil because he's had so much chemo, his stomach will be trashed. Um, we'll give you some antibiotics. So they gave us antibiotics and we went back two days later for the flushing again. And this thing was literally growing in front of your eyes. It's got bigger and so I was like, it's not going away, it's getting bigger. So she said, oh, I'll give you stronger antibiotics. So she gave us stronger antibiotics. Um, and then a couple of days or a day later, we got a call from our our UCLH hospital, the, the transplant hospital, saying, coming in, um, viral outbreak's gone, we can start your treatment. So we, we went along and they said, are you on any meds? So Dave said, I'm antibiotics for this. And so the doctor looked at it and she was like, ooh, okay. She says, I'm really pretty sure it's nothing because it's very, very, very rare. So I'm not worried that, you know, I'm sure it's nothing, but we do need to do a biopsy just to be, you know, just for precaution's sake. Um, but I'm sure it'll be nothing. And that's what she kept re, uh, re saying to us. So we had the biopsy, and then we had to wait for five days for the results. Now, we have two girls who oversee our church. Women. Two women, sorry. Women. <laughs> Not girls. <laughs> women. We have two women who oversee our church. We've known them for 35 years. They're phenomenal. They really are incredible women. And uh, they're all over the world all the time. They just so happen to be in London um, the night before we go for our results. And so they came around to our house and they were praying with us. And Jenny starts speaking and prophesying. And she said to us, um, she said, this storm, this, this battle that you've been in will be a 21-month battle. And I was like, whoa, hold on, hold on here. Because <laughs> it's now, it's, it all started in, in March 2005. We're now in about February 2006. So my fingers are working 10 to the dozen, working out what 21 months is. And it took us through to November. November. And I was like, no, no, God, enough. I've had enough. We can't keep doing this. I've had enough. So I threw myself around the room for about half an hour, just just so upset and so frustrated and just so lost. And, and I know you might be looking at me thinking, oh, bad Christian, bad, bad Christian girl. <laughs> but that was the reality. That My reality at that moment was I'd, I'd had enough. I'd, I was done. And I was worn out and, and scared. And, you know, and we kept coming back to God. And God is who he says he is. But for that moment, I lost my peace. I lost everything because I didn't want to hear what I heard. And so if you throw yourself around the house occasionally through stuff, you know what? It's okay. God can handle it. <laughs> it's a big God, and he'll wait for you to, to calm yourself down a little bit. And now go, no, are we okay? We've got it out of your system. Let me speak life into you. 
And so after I'd chucked myself around the house for, for a little while, peace came. Peace just hit me. And I simmered down and I just thought, okay, we can do this. Because when God touches you, everything changes. Everything changes. Just one touch from the king, everything changes. And I got that touch. He was as calm as you like the whole time. He was like, you know, just, just waiting on Sue, just waiting on Sue. <laughs> and so then we went the next day for the results of, of the biopsy. So Sue's sister had come down from Sheffield, which is in the north of England, to come and give us a bit of moral support. And we went off to the hospital and we went to all the nurses who we all knew. And they said, and then they ushered us into this little room. And there's a tiny sofa there. And the three of us sat on this sofa me in the middle, Sue on one side, Debbie on the other. And then the doctor came in. And she's rolling her sleeves up like this and waving her arms around. And she said, it's bad, it's bad, it's very bad news. Go away and have a lovely holiday because you're going to be dead in five to eight weeks. And then she said, we can treat you, but it probably won't work. And then she said, I'll leave you to have a think about that and walked out of the room. And I just stood up and I turned around to the others and I went, well, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, God has spoken Can you imagine life. what state I was in after what I've just told you about the Sue, night before? Sue burst into tears. <laughs> Debbie burst into tears. That's her sister. And, uh, and we kind of sat there, and I was like, wow, what, what's just happened? You want to take... No, oh, right, yeah. So um, the doctor then came back in the room, and she said, what you've got is a really rare form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She said, uh, there are only 50 people that we know of in the world that have ever had it. Of those 50 people, only five responded to treatment. And even those five who responded to treatment are dead. Um, and I was like, whoa. But you see, what's in my mind is the truth of what Paxton said this morning. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it eat its fruit. Well, I love life. And I'm saying, God, no, I'm choosing life, not death. And this doctor has spoken death over me. In the power of her tongue is a curse that spoke death over me. And my life is in his hands, and he spoke life. So I looked the doctor in the eye, and I said to her, with respect, doctor, it's not my time to die. Please, you do whatever you can do, and we're going to trust God that he'll do the rest. And she went, oh, well, we haven't got a plan for you. We don't know what else to do. Well, we'll go away, and we'll have a meeting, and we'll see if we can come up with a plan. And uh, we've got a friend who's a nurse um, uh, who's left the hospital now. And, um, and she said to us afterwards, she said, they literally had no plan B. Their expectation was they'd tell you the news, you'd go, uh, you'd go and have a holiday or you'd go and find a corner and you'd die. And so they then went and had a meeting with all the senior doctors and they said, we'll come up with a plan of action. So I have to say November, uh, that 21 months thing, November sounded really good for me <laughs> after the five-week uh, prognosis. So, <laughs> so yeah, so um, going back to the statement about that friend of ours who sent that email saying that she doesn't know why, but that whole in treatment had saved Dave's life. Well, actually, his stem cells were already infected. So what they'd harvested from him, if they'd have given him his own stem cell in the time scale, this thing wouldn't have grown. They would have given him, they would have reinfected him. It would have killed him. And so again, you know, there's so much that we don't understand. We don't understand God's timings in things. But, you know, we've just got to know that God knows and he, he's got things in control. And so if you're waiting 
on something at this moment in time. If you're waiting for a breakthrough, if you're waiting for a specific and you're getting frustrated, it's good just to take a step back and say, you know what, God, you're bigger than what I am. And you can see just that little bit further. And so I'm going to wait because he is in the waiting. And you can trust him in the waiting. And actually, in that waiting period, there's so much fruit for each of us in our lives to glean from. It, nothing is ever wasted. He's not a, God is a recycler. <laughs> he recycles everything. And so if you're in a situation at the moment, the best thing you can do, the best thing we can do is say, God, what are you teaching me? What can I learn at this moment in time that will grow me, change me, and move me forward? Because there is always so, so much for us to glean from every situation, even when we don't like it. So, yes, so we were put in this thing called ambulatory care. It was a a pilot scheme. I think you guys have got it out here now, um, where they put us in a hotel opposite the hospital. Because their thinking is, um, if you're in a hotel, you're surrounded by well people. If you're in a hospital, you're surrounded by sickness, disease, and the ergy-lergy is what we would call it. Uh, So they keep you out and put you in a hotel. They gave me a panic button. The great thing was is that uh, I could stay with Dave uh, Monday to Friday, and then on Fridays I would go and collect the boys from from school. They were staying with friends and family. Um, And I would bring them down, and we would spend Friday night together, all day Saturday. Sunday morning we'd jump on the train, tube we call it, um, and go and do church because we'd just taken on a church. So, um, yeah, busy times. So one of these nights we were in this hotel, beautiful hotel room, And um, I woke up about 6 o'clock in the morning absolutely panic-stricken. I don't know why. I don't know for what reason. I literally just woke up with with fear, with anxiety. I bolted upright in bed. And I turned to Dave, woke him up, bless him. (laughs) And I just said, what happens if there's not a God? What happens if he's not real? What happens if I'm just clutching at straws here and hanging on to anything just so that we can cope and get through all of this. What happens? And I was splurging all this bleh out. And all of a sudden, my mobile phone went. It's like quarter past six in the morning, which if you know me, you don't call me at that time in the morning. (laughs) I'm a monster. Um, It's not not my best time. (laughs) David usually in the morning comes in with a cup of tea Um, taps his ring against the uh, thing to wake me up and then he goes morning leaves a cup of tea and runs <laughs> that's me in the morning so quarter past six my mobile goes and so I picked the phone up and it was David's mom who I have to say has never called me on on my phone on my mobile not that she doesn't like me she she likes me I think <laughs> oh maybe she does <laughs> anyway. um so she called me and she said I'm so sorry to call you so early in the morning Sue But the Lord's woken me up and he's given me a scripture that I know I have to give you. And so the scripture is Numbers 23, verse 19. So I'm like, huh? Numbers? What's good in numbers that could help me? You know, it's just numbers. (laughs) So I grabbed my Bible and turned to Numbers 23. And this is the scripture. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I was like, oh my gosh. 
I was first of all waiting for a bolt of lightning to come through the window and nuke me for my unbelief. <laughs> but then I was just like, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you. In my absolute point of despair, of panic and fear and, and just losing it, God just whispers straight in and says, I've got it, Sue. It's okay. It's all going to be fine. I am who I say I am, and you can trust me. And peace, oh my goodness, peace again. It just flooded in, and it was like, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. And then God spoke again, this time through a dream. Uh, I have a friend called Mike, and he's a policeman, and uh, God just literally gave him this dream one night, and, uh, and he texted me the next morning and said, Dave, I had this dream last night, and I saw you and your family uh, on a boat, and you were going into a storm, and that storm was cancer. And I saw that storm starting in March 2005, and I saw it finishing in November 2006, and I saw that God literally took you into the storm and sailed you out of it, and he, and he, and he healed you because of his great love for you. And I was just blown away, and I texted Mike back, and I said, Mike, thank you so much for sharing this. You've just confirmed what God said, because I got my fingers out and counted, like March to November is 21 months. And God had just confirmed what he prophesied through a dream. And I texted Mike back, and I said, Mike, thank you for being bold. Thank you for believing that what you heard was from God, and you were willing to share it and take that risk. And he texted me back and he said, I'm dancing and I'm skipping around the room because I'm so pleased that God has spoken to you through me. And, uh, and so we were really encouraged by that because, you know, God was just really confirming uh, what was happening. So um, they then, by this point, the hospital had come up with a plan and they said, you need a donor stem cell. So you need to find a donor. You need someone who's a match for you uh, with your bone marrow. Now, fortunately, I'm one of four and so the first thing they did was to test my family. And uh, my sister, who's coming to the wedding, some of you will meet her, um, she turns out to be a perfect match, 10 out of 10, which was really miraculous. So she donated her stem cells, and, um, and then they have to test them all. And, and then they said, right, you can come across now. And, um, and they injected them into me. And then they said, right, you're done now, you can go. And I was like, what? You know? Because you know like bone marrow transplants and all these things, the operations and hospital beds and all this sort of thing. Literally, I went in as a day patient. They injected them through my dangly bits. And then they said, you can go. And we walked out of the, the hospital and we went, well, what are we doing? Sue was, what do we do now? I said, let's go for a curry. You know, <laughs> that's the kind of best meal in, in London, a curry. What's so bizarre is that because it's his sister who's his donor, literally they've killed David off and they've rebooted him with his sister. And so, my husband is fully female. <laughs> but I can confirm he still doesn't hoover very well. <laughs> and he's not very good at doing the washing. But apart from that, <laughs> so it's really bizarre to think he's fully female chromosome. But as soon as we got out of the hospital and we said we're going to go and have a curry, we were walking down the street and suddenly he stopped and he put his arm out. And I'm like, what's the matter? And he went... Man, I feel like a woman. Da, 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 da. And then we carry on walking. It's like the most surreal, bizarre <laughs> 24 hours <laughs> that, we, that we had. <laughs> well, every three months, they would, um, they would test, Dave, uh, a PET scan and a CT scan to monitor how things were going. And so 
we'd got this promise from God that in November, you know, it would be all clear. We would be in full remission. That would be it. And so we, we had to go and have some tests and uh, collect the results in October. And so in our heads, we're thinking, wow, we're going to get the results that it's all clear because we're not gonna be, he's not going to be tested till you know, December, January time. So we'll need to know that it's all clear because of this November thing. So we went into this consultation really, really sure that it was going to be yeah, all clear, you're free, woo, all this. And we walked in and the consultant was like, he's looking at his notes and he was like, mm, yeah, it's a little bit unclear and looks like there's a few hot spots, but don't worry, you've got time for the stem cells to work more. And we were pushing, are you sure that's what it says? And he was like, well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it is. So we came out of that consultation, honestly, devastated, really, really devastated because we were expecting good news. <laughs> and so we walked out of the hospital building and you walk onto a really, really busy road, um, Tottenham Court Road, thousands of people walking past you. And I turned and I said to Dave, what do we do now? And he just said, Sue, we do what we always do. We worship. And so we stopped in the middle of the road, in the street, and we held hands and we worshipped and we, we gave God glory and we thanked him for who he is and we just gave him praise because he never changes. And that's, that's what we do. We worship. And so we got home uh, from, from this appointment. And as we walked in through the door, our, our telephone rang. And it was that consultant. And he, was, uh, he said, you know, after you guys left, I was a bit sort of bothered about this report. He said it was very unclear. And, you know, you were pushing hard. And so he said, and I'm still not really sure about it. So would you mind coming in on November the 1st and having some tests and rescans and everything so that we can be much clearer? And at that point, we were like, yes, this yes, come on, is Lord. it. Yeah. This is the one. And, you know, what we've really, really learned is that worshipping is so key to every situation. And can I just read you... Um, a scripture from John, John 4, and it says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. Now, God's looking for worshippers, not worship. He's looking for a people who know how to worship from their being. So he's not looking for us to to worship because he's an egotistical God. I need worship. I need worship. He's looking for worshipers because that's who we are and that's, that's the core. And so knowing how to worship in every circumstance, because it's easy to worship God when it's all good. God is good, yeah, because um, the life is good. But seasons come and seasons go. And you know, the horrible reality, bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. And if we're buffeted around by our circumstance each time something happens that we don't like, then we're going, to be, we're going to be in misery. And so what we found is that as we worship, peace came. A peace comes. And you know there's that scripture that says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Now, our inheritance is peace. It's a promise. God has promised us peace in every circumstance. Is never promised as understanding. 
It's not a promise that we've got. It's not part of our inheritance. And so sometimes we are so busy fighting to understand. Why God? Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this? What is going on? Why, why, why? And we have no peace. We're choosing to find understanding over our peace. When actually we need to say, I don't understand this God, but I trust you and I rest in you. And so it is the peace of God which passes your understanding that will guard your heart and your mind. Amazing, eh? Choose peace because that is a promise that God will give you. Yeah? When you're ready. No rush. (laughs) So, November came. November the 1st and I went up to... um, uh, to have the scan, and it all went off very straightforward. November the 1st is Joshua's birthday. November the 20th, I get asked to go for the results. That's my dad's birthday. And, um, and we sit down with the doctor, and the doctor says, you're in remission. It's all clear. It's gone. Well, he didn't even say it quite well. He did say that eventually, but mm-hmm. it was so funny because this has been such a rare form of cancer and rare sort of journey. I thought we'd walk in and he'd be sat with a red nose on and party poppers and, you know, way. <laughs> and he was just sat so calm. He was like, yep, all clear. So I was like, oh, so if I said to you, David Whisker has no cancer anywhere in his body, you would say yes. And he was like, yes. So I was like, so if I said to you, <laughs> David Whisker is in complete remission and there's no cancer anywhere, you would say yes. And he went, yes. <laughs> so if I said, and Dave just went, Sue, shut up. <laughs> now, what was really amazing this morning was that in the first service, Paxton declared, God is an on-time God. And uh, he didn't know the kind of details that were in our testimony, but that's the truth of who he is. God said, this will be dealt with by November. That's my promise, and that's his deadline. And I thought God was really kind to me, because normally he makes you wait to the end of the month just to test you <laughs> like this. But I, we, got, we got the all clear at the beginning of the month, you know, because he's an on-time God, and that's who he is, and that's what he said he is. And then once more, the hospital wrote to us, and they gave it to us in black and white. David's in remission. The cancer is gone. I was dying, but now I'm living. I was lost, but now I'm found. God had done what he said he would do. God had promised, and his promise had been fulfilled in our lives. And that's what God's called us to declare, the truth of his promise, that he never fails, that he is a God who always gives. He loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to pour his goodness into our lives over and over again. And we made a promise. We said, God, whenever you ask us, we'll go and we'll share our story. We'll tell people about the goodness of God. We tell people about his faithfulness. We tell people about his great love for us because that's what we want people to know and that's what we choose to declare with our lives. And so we're here today. We're really happy. We want to pray for people today. If you need a miracle, we want to see that miracle and that breakthrough in your life. I want to say one more thing. As I came, I came up Wednesday night to see the young people in action and, um, and I said, God, I need, you know, give me, give me a word for this church. Give me something. And literally the moment that I came on the plot, this scripture dropped into my mind. Now the Lord is the spirit. 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I believe God gave me that verse, not to say that there wasn't liberty here, but that he wants more freedom and he wants more liberty in this place. And some of you are maybe feeling that your lives are caught up by, that you find yourself in a position where you do things because you feel you ought to, not because you want to. And God says, when you start to experience my spirit, when you start to allow the breath of God to come in you, suddenly you're going to discover how different God is. God wants you to understand that he's creator, that he's almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. But he wants you to receive his spirit and his breath inside you. And as we start to realize that, it starts to change everything. It starts to change our relationship with him. So I want to pray over you. And I just want to declare the goodness of who God is over you. And we've sung it earlier today. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. God is speaking. You hear once again, he's confirming his word. I never told them this song. God said, you know, God said to Paxton, sing this song this morning. God says to me, I want you to declare freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so this is a rhema word. This is a word for some of you right now that God wants to bring freedom into your life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.